Welcome to Streams from the River, the podcast from the River Church RVA with pastor-teacher Michael Kraft. I know you'll be blessed by the teaching today, so open your hearts and let's get straight into today's message. So we're talking about connecting with the Holy Spirit. This is the seventh week that we've been talking about this, and there's no way that we can review everything that we've talked about, but all of the messages are on the website and online. You can get them a number of different ways. But a couple of points that I feel like we need to review as we launch here this morning is that we saw that there are two baptisms. You know, Jesus, after he was raised from the dead, he breathed on the disciples in John chapter 20 and said, receive the Holy Spirit, okay? And we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, it says, for by one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, we were baptized into one body, the body of Christ. Amen? And so when we are born again, we are baptized, we we take place, or what takes place is we take place in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay? But yet Jesus said in Luke chapter 24, but I want you to wait or tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power, okay? And so John the Baptist, speaking of Jesus, said that the one who comes after me is greater than I am, and he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, all right? And so the Holy Spirit, when we accept Christ, he comes and baptizes us into the body of Christ. Then Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. And I'm hoping that that can become crystal, crystal clear, all right? This is something that was somewhat a little bit muddy for me for a little while, But over the course of these weeks, God has just opened it up on a level that has just made such a dynamic difference in my own life. So, interestingly, in John chapter 1, verse 33, John says this, I would not have known him, that's Jesus, except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. You need to understand that until Jesus came, the Holy Spirit never came and remained. The Holy Spirit throughout the Old Testament would come upon individuals and he would bring forth a word or he would demonstrate his power. He would make his presence known, but the Holy Spirit always departed. It wasn't until Jesus, this was the first time that it says in the scriptures that the Holy Spirit came and remained. All right? The first time. We're going to see something in Acts chapter 2 that it happened again. All right? And we're recipients of that. So in Acts chapter 1, Jesus, right before his ascension in verse 4, said, Do not leave. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard of me. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do you think that Jesus meant what he said? 
Do you think that it was important what Jesus said to his disciples? If they were born again, and yet you would think that if they had walked with Jesus for three and a half years, if they had experienced the resurrection personally, met the resurrected Lord, you would think that they have all that they need to go out and be an effective witness, wouldn't you? I mean, wouldn't you? But, but Jesus knew differently. He said, there's, there's something different. You need to be endued with power. And so my question for you and I is this, do you recognize that if you've been born of the Spirit, you're born again, you've been born by the Spirit into the body of Christ, that in order to fulfill what God has called us to do, to go into all the world and baptize the nations, all right, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you and I need something. We need an empowerment by the Holy Spirit. If Jesus said this to his disciples, how much more so does it apply to you and I? Amen? Y'all with me? Okay, cool. All right. You and I were not created to live in and of our own strength. We were created for what I like to say, assisted living. Okay? We were created to live assisted by the Holy Spirit. All right? How many of you know what assisted living is? <laughs> All right? You know that, it, that someone is going to come alongside and what? Help. You and I, we need someone in our lives to come alongside and help. We don't need that to be born again. We just receive the finished work of what Christ accomplished on the cross. But for us to be effective witnesses in the earth, it requires the assistance and the empowerment that comes through the baptism in the Holy Spirit, okay? So my question was this. Why was it that the disciples had to wait? If they experienced the resurrection... And actually, there were a couple of occasions in the Gospels where Jesus commissioned the disciples to go out and to pray, all right? So what's different between then and now? Anybody curious? I need to get moving, don't I, Charles? All right. What was missing? I'll tell you what. What was missing was power in their inner man. Jesus said, let's look at this. In Matthew chapter 10, he called his disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. How many of you are excited about that? All right. Jesus, he's coming to you, all authority in heaven and earth, and he's giving you authority to go out and do the same thing. All right. Drive out evil spirits, heal every disease and sickness. Yay, Let's go, right? We need to see what Jesus said after he said that. If you read the rest of the chapter, it's quite insightful. Because Jesus said, listen, I'm commissioning you to go. But in verse 16, he says, you're going out as sheep in the midst of wolves. In verse 17, he says, you're going to be handed over to the courts to be scourged. In verse 21, he says, brother will betray brother. And in verse 22, you'll be hated by all because of my name. Verse 23, they'll persecute you in one place and you'll flee to the next. In verse 34, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. But 
go. Pray for the sick. Heal. Cast out demons. You see, do you see what a difference the context brings? We think it's just going to be a happy party, Holy Ghost time of just going out. We don't realize that we're, we're being sent out as sheep in the midst of wolves, that there's, there's persecution and affliction. Listen, Jesus didn't come to change our circumstance. He came to empower you, change you in the midst of the circumstance. All right? Most of us are looking for our circumstances to change. We're looking for the mountains to come down low and every valley to, to, be, to be brought up and to, to provide the, uh, the plain place where, the Holy, where we're going to walk. Holy Spirit, help me this morning. I might as well just speak in tongues. But, <laughs> but Jesus didn't come to change our circumstance. He came to change you. He came to change you. How many of you would say yes to the first part of this commission to the disciples? Yep, I want to go out and lay hands on the sick. I want to cast out demons. Thank God for the authority I've got. But then how many of you would sign up for the scourging, for the uh, persecution, for the rejection? What, does that kind of quench your human spirit a little bit? <laughs> it does mine. And, and it did theirs as well. And it's insightful because you can look in, in Luke chapter 10 where Jesus, again, he sends out the 70 and he commissions them to do the same thing. And it says this in Luke um, chapter 10, verse 17, that after he had sent them out, it says that the 72 or the 70 returned with joy. Say they returned with joy. Okay. How many of you know that they probably didn't leave with great joy? All right. There, there's something that's different in this new covenant because you see, God's commissioned us, but there's something different on the inside. Um, it says in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 12, that you will go out with joy. Okay. You will be led forth with peace. Okay. So it's not just a matter of crucifying your flesh. It's when the Spirit of God resides on the inside of you, you are going to go out with joy. The joy of the Lord, right? The joy of the Lord is our strength. So they returned with great joy. Listen, let me say this. Miracles and signs and wonders, they point to something, right? That's why they call them signs, right? How many of you know that a sign isn't an end in itself? Signs point to something. The only place I've ever gone where a sign is an end to itself is Ed's house. If you've been into his little man cave, he's got some signs. I don't know where he got them, but he's got some signs in there. And they're the end. <laughs> Amen. But if you see that same sign out on the highway, it's pointing to something. It's not an end. Every sign and wonder and miracle that took place in the life of Jesus through the hands of the disciples all pointed to something. They pointed to who the person of Jesus Christ was and his authority and his power to forgive sin. All right? Jesus had not yet been ascended. The price for our sin had not yet been paid. So Jesus was demonstrating to a world that was lost and dark and blinded by the God of this world, that he had authority, and that was his message. I have authority to forgive sin. If you believe on me, you believe on the Father. You believe on the one that he sent, all right? 
So he was demonstrating his signs and wonders point to something. Most people live their lives on a surface level. Would you agree? I mean, we, we pretty much make our decisions and go throughout our day based on what we see, what we hear, what we feel, and at Thanksgiving, what we taste, amen, and what we smell. Mm, mm, mm. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. Leftovers here after service. My house and yours too. But most of us live that way. Jesus called us to live from an entirely different reference point. He called us to live from the inside out. He called us to be led by the Spirit, not by our circumstances, right? Okay. So everything in your outward life is a result of something that's taking place in your inward life. Think about it. Today, you're the product of every word that you have ever spoken. You're the product of how you've responded to every circumstance and situation in your life. That's who you are today. The good news is, is that we can continue to make choices and tomorrow we'll be the person that is a direct result of the decisions that we make today. How about that? Cool, I think. So Jesus came not just to heal. Jesus just didn't come to do signs and wonders and miracles. Lord knows we need signs and wonders today, don't we? Jesus came to deal with the root of our problem, and the root of our problem is sin. He came to change our hearts, not our circumstance. Ezekiel chapter 36 says, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you. Okay? So Jesus is dealing with the root of the sin issue, and he says, I'm going to take away that old stony heart, and I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new spirit. So when Jesus spoke about being endued with power, okay, this does all connect, believe me, just follow me. Okay. When Jesus talked about being endued with power, he was not talking about healings or miracles. When I first wrote this down in my notes, I said he was not primarily talking about healings or miracles. But the more that I thought about it, the more that it became clear to me that that is not on any level what Jesus was talking about. It's an effect but it's not the focus. It's not the point, okay? Jesus was talking about being endued with power, where? In us. See, that's different. That's different than the 12 when they were sent out. That's that's different than the 70 when they were sent out. Jesus was saying, you need to be endued with power in your spirit, okay? And that's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter uh, 3. This is so good. Gosh, we could just stop here probably. This is just yummy. <laughs> but, but listen, Paul, who, who penned three quarters of the New Testament, he knew some stuff, didn't he? 
And he prays a prayer here in Ephesians that is insightful in terms of this endowment with power. He says in verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power. Where? Through his spirit in your inner being. Okay? Where is this endowment of power? Where is this strengthening taking place? In our inner being. Why? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and deep and high is the love of God. This is amazing to me. This endowment of power is not just for signs and wonders. This power is so that you and I will get a revelation of just how deep and wide and far the love of God is towards you. You see, when you get a revelation of the love of God in your heart, you will be empowered. Can I tell you that? When you get a personal revelation in your heart of the love of God, you will absolutely be changed. Can I tell you in the community in which we live, individuals who are not empowered, individuals who are lost, do not know the love of God. They don't. They've been deceived. The God of this world has blinded their eyes. And I, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll prophesy. Any individual that you meet, I promise you, if you will give them a revelation of the true love of God through you, they'll repent. They will change the way they think and they will fall in love with Jesus. Amen? Do you believe that? I do. The Bible says that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's a revelation of the love of God. And Paul is praying that when you are strengthened, when you are endued with power in your inner man, that the number one thing that's going to take place is you are going to have a revelation that you might be rooted and grounded in the love of God and that you might grasp how deep, high, Long and wide is the love of God, and to know by experience for yourself the love of God that passes understanding. I love things that pass my understanding. I love it when, listen, if God isn't passing your understanding, then he's just not big enough. (laughs) He's a whole lot bigger than my understanding, and he's a whole lot bigger than yours too. We need to leave God room to be God. There's a Big gap. It's not even close, right? And so this is Paul's prayer. And Paul had a revelation of the love of God, and it changed him. It transformed him. When he was on the Damascus Road, he was, he was hit by a manifestation of the love of God, and it changed him forever. It changed him forever. He wasn't hit with doctrine. He wasn't hit with just the power of God. He was hit with a manifestation of the love and goodness of God. So listen, if signs and wonders were all that we needed to bring our communities to Christ, if that's all that we needed, don't you think that Israel after the 10 plagues would have absolutely been saved? 
Can you imagine over a short period of time experiencing frogs and mosquitoes and, uh, you know, how, how many the sea turning into blood and all these wild and crazy hailstorms and stuff like that? That, that would get your attention. But isn't it amazing that when you look at Israel, that after they were delivered through the, the Passover, that it wasn't many days that their hearts had already turned back. Their hearts had turned back to Egypt. You see, there's something that we need in our experience and our relationship with God that goes beyond just the surface. We need changed hearts. We need changed lives. We need to be empowered in the inner man. Can I tell you, when God gets a hold of you in in the inner man, there isn't anything that's going to happen outwardly that's going to change who you are. Amen? All right. So let's let's go back to Acts chapter 1 and see if we can tie this together with what Jesus was talking about, this endowment of power that he told his disciples, listen, you are not ready yet. You need to wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power in your innermost being. Then you will be my witnesses, okay? Jesus meant what he said, all right? And so I want to take that time to kind of clarify what type of endowment of power we're looking for. I don't know about you, but for a long, long time, man, I was just waiting for the baptism and I just wanted to go out and pray for the sick and see them healed. I just wanted to go and see the, the dead raised. I just, I just wanted to see the miraculous of God. And the thing is, is that we, we miss the supernatural looking for the spectacular. So many times in our lives, we miss the supernatural work and move of God by looking for the spectacular. The most supernatural thing that will ever happen in your life and mine is for the love of God to be shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That will bring about a release of dunamis power that will bring about everything else that we're looking for in God's divine order. I was talking to somebody before the service. You know, most things in the church, the reason that we don't see more of a manifestation in, in, in so many areas is because we get into a ditch sometimes. And we start following after signs. or We start following after wonders. We start following after the supernatural. And we forget that it's all about a relationship with Almighty God. It's all about His love for you and your love for Him. And everything else happens automatically. You don't even have to try. You know, if we'll develop our love relationship with God, you're going to be changed. You're going to be transformed from glory to glory. And you're going to walk down the streets just worshiping God. And people are going to be saved. People are going to be healed. And you're not going to have to work it up on the inside. You know what I'm saying? It's really a matter of just keeping first things first. So back to Acts chapter 1. Wait for the promise. Wait for the promise which you have heard me speak about. Wait for the promise. So the disciples head back to the upper room. The same upper room where 
a little over 50 days before they had sat down with Jesus and had the Last Supper. It's the same room. Amazing. And they waited. They waited for empowerment. They waited for empowerment. I don't think they had a clue what was going to take place. All they knew was that Jesus said, wait until you're endued with power. And so they took the step that Jesus said to take. How many of you know that Jesus doesn't always give you the whole plan at one time? But he will give you the next step. Back in, I guess it was 1981, the Lord spoke to me and said, son, I am going to lead you one step at a time. And until you take the step that I've got in front of you, the next step won't open. Even if it looks like a dead end, you've got to take that step because the Lord said this. He said, if I show you 1% of what I have for you down in the future, you'll be walking by sight and not by faith. Faith lives in the now. Faith embraces the mystery of God. Faith says, I'm going to take the step that's before me right now. And God, if it leads to a dead end, this is where you led me. And you're going to, you're going to part the sea if you have to. You're going to make a way because God's the one who's ordering our steps. And so the disciples were told by Jesus, simply go to Jerusalem. Rent a room until you're endued with power. They were probably checking their budgets to see how long they could stay. Peter probably said, we only got enough for 10 days, <laughs> you know. But Jesus said to wait. He said to wait until you're endued with power. So let's move to Acts chapter 2. Finally, seven weeks. This is where I thought we were going to start. <laughs> but here we are, all right? Acts chapter 2. Now, when the day of Pentecost fully came, they were all together in one place. Pentecost. Pentecost means what? It means 50. All right, that's all that it means. It's 50. Pentecost was 50 days from the Passover, and it represented the day that God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. All right? That was, that was the day. 50 days after the Passover, 50 days after Christ was crucified. The parallels are absolutely astonishing, I think. You can read about that in Exodus chapter 32. The disciples didn't know what was coming. They didn't know about tongues. All they were waiting for was empowerment, okay? Then it says in verse 2 that suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Suddenly, suddenly the time came and Jesus, the one who said, wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power. Jesus said, now's the time. Who sent the wind? Jesus, right? He's the administrator of this baptism. Jesus, suddenly, when the time was right, the sound of a mighty rushing wind came from heaven. 
can I tell you that when it's God's time to break to bring breakthrough, when it's God's time to manifest, there ain't nothing that you can do to stop it? Can I tell you that it doesn't matter how much chaos and confusion is going on in your life, that that's not going to stop God from moving? How many of you would think that God would choose something the equivalent of perhaps a hurricane or a tornado to move in? Most of us, if we're, we're thinking the Holy Spirit's going to come, we like the nice keyboard music, right? We like, the, we, we like to create a nice environment, right? If it's just the right music and the room's the right temperature and the worship team is playing just the right, you know, and you can just feel the presence of the Holy Spirit coming in the place. Can I tell you that Jesus don't play by those rules? <laughs> It's nice to have an environment, don't get me wrong. And, I, I, and each of us need to cultivate an environment that's conducive to his movement in our life, whatever that may be. I like the kind of slow, melodic kind of stuff. But I know a lot of young people today who would choose a different style of music. <laughs> Amen. And the Holy Spirit can move through that just as much as he can move through what you and I like. Amen. And so the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit came. It says in verse 3 that they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. There were 120 individuals in that upper room. There were 120 tongues of fire that came to rest on them. When the Holy Spirit comes, he comes for everyone. He comes for everyone that's in the room. This baptism by Jesus into the person of the Holy Spirit is for every believer. It's for every believer. It wasn't just for the early church. It wasn't just for the 12 disciples. This promise, Peter said later on in this chapter, is for you and your children, all right? This promise is for you and I. So the Holy Spirit came for each and every one. There, there, there wasn't a Holy Spirit lottery. And just a, a couple in the upper room were winners, you know what I'm saying? This was for each and every individual. And the Holy Spirit came to set our lives on fire for Christ. Amen. Sometimes you go to church and it just feels like you're in a cemetery. You know what I'm saying? You wonder why young people today aren't coming to church? Well, I think we need a little baptism. I think we need a little fire, don't you? I think we need to learn how to cooperate and, and to surrender to the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. How many of you, if the Holy Spirit came in this room right now, a mighty rushing wind interrupts my sermon, and all of a sudden there are tongues of fire that rest upon each and every one of us, what is going on in this place? <laughs> Listen, they didn't have an agenda. Okay, 
120 in the upper room, day of Pentecost. Peter, you're the head. And uh, all right, uh, we're going to sing a couple of songs and then allow the wind to come, the fire. All right, we're ready. Listen, you can't script out God. (laughs) They were sitting in a room perhaps just like what we're sitting in here today. But there was probably, perhaps, perhaps there was a, a, a small difference. Perhaps their hearts were yearning and longing. Perhaps they, they, this empowerment that, that Christ spoke about was what they were living for with everything that they had. Perhaps they took all of their vacation time to follow Jesus and to spend whatever time it took in the upper room until this empowerment came. What if they were desperate? What if they were desperate for God in their lives? desperate for his presence, desperate. They'd lived with his love for three and a half years. They'd been separated, and now they're going to be empowered. What if they're desperate for a revelation and experience in the love of God all over again? What if that's what's missing in our lives, perhaps? Not all of us, but how many of you know that sometimes the flames of passion aren't what they used to be? I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is here to stir us up again. There needs to be a sense of expectation. Jesus spoke to the disciples and said, wait, wait in Jerusalem. If Jesus said, wait, I'll bet they were expecting. There needs to be something in our lives that has an anticipation of the Holy Spirit coming and visiting us radically changing us, transforming us, and then sending us out into the community, not to do witnessing, but to be witnesses, to allow the overflow of our experience of the love of God that passes understanding to sweep us away into our communities and to sweep our communities away into the love of God. Wouldn't that be cool? Does anybody have that expectation this morning? Can I tell you that I do? And can I tell you where it's been birthed? It's been birthed in my times of prayer with the Holy Spirit. I can tell you over the last two months since we started this series, the Lord basically said, son, because Paul says that he prayed in tongues more than y'all. So he was a good Southern boy, right? And I looked at, at the life of Paul and, I, and the Lord began to show me individuals who took advantage of everything, every gift that the Father made available to us. You know, so many times we have an experience with God and then we put it on the shelf, you know? And we leave it there and, well, yeah, I've done there. I've got that, got the badge, you know, got the t-shirt and move on. But what God's in the business of doing is equipping us equipping us. God doesn't give us something that's just a one-time experience that you're going to have, and you're not going to, and then you can live the rest of your life in your own strength, and your own might, and your own power. It just don't work that way. And so I've committed myself since I started this series to communing with the Father in the Holy Spirit as much as I possibly can. And I can stand here today and tell you that I speak in tongues more than y'all, probably more than every one of you in this room combined because I've, I've made it a point 
I've made it a focus in my life. Do you know I even wake up in my dreams praying in tongues now? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it's, just, it's just been woven into the very fiber of, of who I am in the Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I feel different. I feel a passion. I feel, I feel the strength and the power. I feel an endowment of power that I've not experienced before. And I believe that it's the Holy Spirit. Outside of that, I've not done a thing different. You might say, well, pastor, you just seem the same to me. Well, that's okay. <laughs> just wait. <laughs> just wait. You probably ain't seen nothing yet, right? So anyhow, um, it says in verse 4, and all of them, can you say all of them? All of them, all right, were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Okay. So how many of them spoke in tongues? All of them. They spoke in an unknown tongue or an unknown language. In the Greek, that word tongue is the word glossa, G-L-O-S-S-A, and it's where we get the word language or tongue. And it's also in English, it's where we get the word glossary, okay? Have you ever read a, a, a book and you had to look in the glossary in the back because you didn't understand the words that were you were reading? Well, there's a tongue, and the Holy Spirit is the glossary. <laughs> All right? They're difficult words, hard to understand sometimes. And the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the definitions. Okay? He gives us the interpretations. So, anyhow... They all received the gift of what? Trick question. They all received the gift of what? Of the Holy Spirit. They received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Who did they receive? The Holy Spirit. All right. What would it be like if I were to... Sally, if I gave you a new car, I said, Sally, I'm going to give you a new car, all right? It's all yours. The whole car, it's all yours. And all I did was give you a steering wheel. Yeah. I saw that look. You see, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive all of who he is and all that he has. Okay? Many of us have taken the Holy Spirit and we've whittled him down to just tongues. But you, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the person of the Holy Spirit. The gifts are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So they're the Holy Spirit's gifts. We receive the Holy Spirit. Do you know that when you have the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to flow in every gift of the Holy Spirit as the Spirit leads, okay? Not just one, but every gift. And they all operate by faith, okay? So they were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
listen, I'm going to take all of next week, prayerfully, and talk about our spirit language, because that's what it is. It's a spirit language. And we're going to talk about that next week. But I want to, there's a couple of points that I need to make here real quick. All right. Why on the day of Pentecost did Jesus send the Holy Spirit and he came in the form of tongues? The disciples were baptized and then they began to speak in tongues. They began to speak in a spirit language. Why tongues? Why didn't they just go out and and heal everybody who needed healing? Why tongues? Good question, you think? Why tongues? Well, I'm going to share with you what the Lord shared with me, okay? What is the most powerful force in the universe? Okay, <laughs> y'all are trained well in here. Y'all said love. That's true. But the most powerful force in the universe is your tongue. The most powerful force that exists are the words that we speak. Okay? If you go back and look in Genesis chapter 1, what did God speak when he created the world? What did he say? He said, light be. The power of his words brought order out of chaos, brought light into darkness. And can I give you a little bit of a clue? When he spoke those words, light be, he didn't say them in English. (laughs) He didn't say them in Spanish. He spoke spirit. Okay? He spoke spirit. I would hate to confine God to speaking the English language. (laughs) I have a hard enough time with it myself. I'm sure God doesn't. But the most powerful force in the universe are our words. Think about it. And I don't have time, but you can write this down. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 and 9. Verses 1 through 9. The story of the of the, the coming together of all of the nations of the earth to build the Tower of Babel. And what God spoke there is he said, um, if is one people speaking the same language, or if one people speaking the same tongue, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. So come now. Let us go down there and confuse their language. (laughs) I'll bet they all sounded like they were speaking in tongues in Babel (laughs) that day. Because this was the day that God said, listen, if they all have one tongue, if they're speaking one language, There is so much power in unity. There is so much power in the words that we speak that nothing, absolutely nothing that you imagine will be impossible. So God said, listen, this is a tongue that is set on fire by hell. So I love these people. I'm going to come down. I'm going to confuse their language. 
I'm going to confuse their language. So the Lord scattered them from there over the whole earth, and they stopped building the city, and that's why it is called Babel to this day. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says that life and death are in the power of what? They're in the power of the tongue. Take a look in James chapter 3. Verse 6, the tongue, well, let me back up a verse maybe. Verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. Verse 5, likewise, the tongue is a small part of our body and it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. And the tongue also is a fire. The tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of our body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. The tongue. And then he goes on and, and says that all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea— are being tamed and have been tamed, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Have any of you experienced that? Kind of reminds me, I'm having a little flashback here to the Lord of the Rings. You know, I, I don't remember which which one of the of the um creatures was on the lying on the ground, and this lady, some of you who are more Lord of the Rings folks might know this better than I, and she's got a sword in her hands, and, and, and the, the creature says, no man can kill me. And she takes, takes her, uh, her mask and flips it up and says, I am no man, <laughs> and takes the sword and thrusts it down, and y'all know what I'm talking about? No man can tame the tongue, but the Holy Spirit can. The Holy Spirit can. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit so filled the disciples that all they could do was let the river flow. You know, John said in John chapter 7, verse 38, it says, whoever believes in me as the scripture has said, Streams of living water will flow from within him. I changed translations is what I did. It says that from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Okay. So what did Jesus say the result of the baptism in the Holy Spirit would be? It would be an endowment of power. Okay. An endowment of power in the inner man. So that what? We could be witnesses in the world. Okay? So tongues were an initial manifestation of the baptism. It is an endowment of power in your inner man so that we can become effective witnesses. Okay? The tongue, what was released on Pentecost was a spiritual language. And the voice of the Spirit, just like when God said, light be, 
the voice of the Spirit rose up inside of man, and man began to speak, and the church was born on the day of Pentecost. Amen? Now listen. In verse 6, it says that Acts chapter 2, are y'all doing okay for just a couple minutes? I'm going to try to wind this up if I can. In Acts chapter 2, <clears throat> verse 6, it says, And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together, and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. Can I throw something out for you to consider? That the miracle was not so much what was spoken as what was heard. Okay? Can you, I, I can't even, if there's 10 people in a room speaking the same language, I can't understand it. How about you? If you've got 120 people in a room and they're all speaking the same language, I'm not understanding anything. If you've got 120 people in the room speaking 120 different languages, I'm really not understanding anything. What's supernatural here is what they heard. I believe that there were two things that were in operation. And we'll go into this a little bit more next week. Thanks for listening to Streams from the River from the River Church RVA in Chester, Virginia. If you've been blessed by the message and would like to connect deeper with the River Church RVA, please visit our website at riverchurchrva.com. Or you can send us an email, share your testimonies, prayer requests, or general correspondence to family at riverchurchrva.com. Again, that's family at riverchurchrva.com. Have a blessed day, and we look forward to being with you again next time right here on Streams from the River.